how to preserve a year's worth of food. When the harvest is coming on strong, you don't have a lot of time, and you don't want any of that food that you work so hard to raise to go to waste. Today is episode number 147 of the Pioneering Today podcast, where we teach families how to raise and preserve their own food using old-fashioned wisdom and skill sets, but also with that modern twist to make sure that you are staying safe with the updated guidelines, especially when it comes to home canning, but also other forms of home food preservation. I am your host, Melissa K. Norris. I'm the author of The Made From Scratch Life, the book Handmade, The Modern Guide to Made From Scratch Living, and the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy. And I am so thrilled that you are here with me today on this episode. One of the things that I get asked about a lot is how do you preserve all of this food when it's coming on? Because it can be a full-time job in and of itself. And most of us don't just have hours and days to devote to preserving the harvest. You know, you got a day job, you may be homeschooling, we just got life, and it can feel really overwhelming. So I'm going to break down for you and give you our best tips. And I've got some awesome freebies. You're going to want to listen to this whole episode. But I'm going to break it down for you how we preserve almost all of our own food. Now, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that we raise and preserve 100% of all of our own meat here on our homestead. And about 50% probably of our vegetables and over 75% of our own fruit. So that means we're raising it and preserving it for year-round eating and not buying it from the store. And that's a pretty good portion. We've been doing this for a number of years. I'm a fifth-generation homesteader, and here on our homestead, we've been doing it at that level for probably about eight years. I've always had a garden and canned, but raising that much amount of all of our own food and taking us through a year. And the majority of the time that we've been doing this has been with me working a day job, my husband working a day job, running this podcast, this radio show, the website, authoring books, all of that with the full-functioning homestead and our two kiddos. So... I really sat down because a lot of you have been asking me for help with this and thought, okay, well, how do we make this work so that I can give you all of the tips, but I want you to be able to take these tips and to customize it for you and for your family because that is the key. You gotta, we have to be able to figure out how to make it work for us. So that's what we're gonna be diving into all about in today's show. So it's gonna be a doozy. Are you ready? If you need to access, so any of the things I'm talking about, resources, links, all that fun stuff, if you just want to read the full written blog post that goes with every single podcast episode that we put out, then you can access that by going to melissaknorris.com slash 147 because this is episode number 147. And then you can always just go to the website, hit that podcast button at the top of the page, and every single episode is listed for you in chronological order all the way back to number one. Okay, you ready? Let's go. So what we're doing today is we are really creating a preserving plan. And yes, You need to have a plan in place. It really does make things easier and it doesn't take that much work once you just go through these and have it. And then this is gonna be something you're gonna be able to refer to 
year after year. And each year I do look at it because things do change. Now, if you have been following the podcast and you listen to episode number 124, which was how to plan your best garden and harvest for a year's worth of food, then you're going to be familiar with a little bit of the first part of this. If you have not listened to that episode, I highly recommend that you go back and catch it. But the first part, the basis of that, I'm going to recap for you right here real quick, okay? So that is when you go through your pantry, and this is going to include if you have been preserving food already at home, so your home canned stuff, dehydrated stuff, or if it's just what you're cooking from, right? Things that have been from the store. But you're going to go through those items, and you are going to make note of how much of those specific foods you and your family are eating on a regular basis. So it might be something like, well, we go through three pints of tomato sauce or three quarts, depending upon your family size, have to use it every month. So then you're gonna times that out and that's gonna give you an average of how many jars you need to take you through an entire year without purchasing it from the store. And my recommendation is to go through the items that either you cannot get at the store. So for us, that is our family's heirloom Tar Heel pole green beans. I can't purchase those at the store, either canned or fresh. That variety is not grown. My family's been seed saving that specific strain for well over a hundred years. So that's a top one for me. So go through and we're going to be prioritizing it. And that is tip number one. Decide what your mainstays are first. So as I said, that is our green beans. That's also tomato sauce for us. Pickled asparagus, pickled green beans, cucumber pickles. Can you tell we like us some pickles? Salsas, jams and jellies. And then when it comes to herbs, sage, mint, and dill. So these are the items that I never purchased from the store. And I make sure that we are raising and preserving enough of these to take us through an entire year. But you're going to go by the items that your family is eating on a regular basis, and we're going to focus on those items first. I oftentimes will do smaller batches of other foods, especially if it's a new item or a new recipe that I'm going to be trying out. But those only get done when our mainstays have been taken care of first. So go through and pick those. Second, I want you to pick your methods of preservation. Each preservation method, and we're going to be talking about this more in upcoming episodes of the podcast, so don't worry. We'll go into more depth on these, but every single preservation method has its pros and cons, and I think all of the preservation methods have their place on a homestead and in the kitchen. But what's most important is that you pick the method or methods, because I oftentimes will take the same harvest and do different methods with that so that I have it preserved in different forms, but you're picking what works best for you. Now, regardless of the method you're picking, and this is a biggie for me, I want you to make sure that you are following updated safety guidelines, okay, you guys, Especially, I feel I can't stress this enough, especially when it comes to canning. Now, I love canning. You guys, mason jars make this homestead mama's world go round. I love canning. It's one of my favorite forms of food preservation. And we'll talk about more about that in some future episodes, probably the next episode, actually, as to why. 
But it's so important that you know that you are up to date and that you understand the science of canning. There are so many dangerous practices that I see shared online. And I think for the majority of the time, it's just people don't know what they don't know. But canning is not an area that we should be taking risks in. Now, I'm not saying this to scare you. I do not do fear mongering, but we need to be educated, right? And with canning, there is a risk of botulism. Now, botulism is a can be a fatal form of food poisoning. It's actually a neurotoxin, but it's very easily avoided if you understand the science that goes with canning, because canning is definitely a science. It's the science that is backing all of this. It's not someone trying to regulate anything. It's the science. So once you understand that, then there's actually a lot of freedom and you feel really confident in it. But a lot of people don't understand the science or they have grandma's recipe from 30 years ago, not realizing that we've had updated things since then. And there's just some simple things that you need to tweak to order to make it safe. So I don't want to go all into that because I do have some past episodes on that. But the main reason is I have a complete, totally free, you guys, online home canning safety masterclass. So you can sign up for it. You can go to the show notes and click the sign up button there, or you can simply type in melissaknorris.com slash canning class. Okay. So that class is going to teach you all the science that you need to know. It's going to teach you how to follow updated canning procedures and make sure you know what those are, how you can make sure you're avoiding any danger of botulism. And also, I walk over you knowing the safety measures to use your pressure canner confidently. Because we've all heard those horror stories or seen them of pressure canners exploding. My grandma actually had one explode on her like way back when. And so I'm going to walk you through that because a lot of us will get that pressure canner and it sits in a corner and we're intimidated by it. It's kind of scary. So I walk you through all of the things that you need to know so that you can confidently use that bad boy and get your mason jars filled up. Okay, so the main methods, back to point number two. Sorry, I got off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I do love my cannon. I just want everybody to be safe. So we're picking our methods of preservation. So these are the main methods of home food preservation that we use on our homestead. And of course, no surprise here, home canning is one of the top ones. I put up between 400 and 500 jars at least a year using both water bath and pressure canning. And I kind of can all year long. So it's hard for me to say in an exact year, this is how many jars I put up. The majority happens when the harvest is coming on hot and heavy in the summer months and as we get into the beginning of fall. But I really do can all year long. And I'm going to tell you how to go about that. And it's going to take some of the pressure off of trying to get it all done during harvest season. Okay. But home canning, that's one of my main methods. Dehydrating, fermenting, freezing, we do use our freezer some, and root cellar techniques, even if you don't have a basement, a garage, or a root cellar, you can still use root cellaring techniques. And I will link to a past podcast episode and article that I have on that that will give you tips to use root cellar techniques, even if you don't have all of the above that I mentioned, okay? Tip number three, We need to decide which methods we're going to be using for each crop. 
This is actually really important for a few different reasons. One, you need to know how you're going to preserve and how much of it you're going to preserve for that type. So example, I know that we need at least 35 jars of tomato sauce to take us through a year. And for me, when it comes to my tomato harvest, that's the most important form for me because I can take those jars of tomato sauce, add it to chili, add it to my soups, turn it into my pasta sauce, my spaghetti sauce, my pizza sauce, my barbecue sauce. I mean, anything that you're going to make with a base of tomato sauce, right? So I make sure when that tomato harvest is coming on that I have allotted enough tomatoes to make those jars of my sauce before I go about canning any whole tomatoes, which I do love canning my whole and half tomatoes, or dehydrating the rest because I dehydrate some of my tomatoes too. Now, I know that we need about 55 jars of home canned green beans, that gets done first. That is one of my top priorities as I shared. Then after that's been harvested and we have got those canned up, then I let the rest of the crop mature into seed bean or dry beans. And then I'll use the extra fresh green beans to use to make, I like to have canned up home canned vegetable soup on hand. So I'll use it for that. Now, when it comes to our fruit harvest, blueberries, I know that for our family, I want at least four quarts of blueberry pie filling. Oh my goodness, love that. Six jars of blueberry syrup. Hello for pancakes, ice cream, waffles, you get in my drift. About 10 jars of blueberry jam. Then... I have enough berries either frozen or canned for those items, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the next tip. But then I will dehydrate the rest of the crop to add to quick breads, muffins, granolas, or you know, just to eat your dried blueberries. And that's where I'm talking about picking how much of the crop you need to go into which method. So I make sure I have so much that's going into the canning and then so much left for dehydrating. Now, don't forget your herbs. I mainly dehydrate most of our herbs, but this year I plan on using some fresh herbs to turn into pesto and also into compound butters. Now, if you were part of the Modern Homesteading Summit, which was amazing, and it is over right now, you can still access all of them by getting the all access pass, but the free live showing of all of these has passed. But there was a presentation in there by Kathy Lepsevic, and she was on the podcast previously, and that she showed to do the compound butters, and I'm so excited to try that this year for baking. So I'm going to be doing mint compound butter and maybe some basil to do basil garlic butter to then just spread onto stuff later this year. Ooh, okay, my mouth's watering. However, back on track. I will dehydrate the minimum amount to keep my spice cabinet full for the year. Then those extra fresh herbs that I'm harvesting will be going into the pesto and the compound butters. And then dehydrated herbs I can later turn into infused oils. So I like doing them just like the tomato sauce and the dehydrated herbs kind of in their base form. And then later I can put that into what I want. Like I want to make pizza sauce. Well, I just open up the jar of that tomato sauce simmer it down just a little bit more so it's thicker and add in all of my different spices. So you can see I often use several different preserving methods all for the same food. Okay, this is a big tip. This is tip number four. Pick what produce needs to be preserved fresh. And you're thinking, well, hello, all of it needs to be preserved when it's fresh. That's kind of the point of harvesting it, Melissa. I know, I know. But here's the thing. Not all of it has to be processed in its finished form right now, okay? So you ready for this? This is probably my biggest secret to staying sane and getting all of our food harvested and then preserved for the year. 
all of your berries and all your cherries, they can be tossed in the freezer to deal with later. This is especially true for fruit that you plan on making into jam, jelly, syrup, pie filling, or even dehydrating for reals. So it's going to free up your time and your kitchen for the things that have to be processed as they come on. For example, you can not freeze green beans and then thaw and can them when they would be just total mush. Blah. Okay, so your green beans, when they're harvested fresh, they got to either be pickled, frozen, or canned. So I can my green beans right as I harvest them. But for the berries, and this is actually the beauty of it. So if you're wanting to make jelly, syrup, or even your, especially jam, jelly, syrup, all of those, and even pie filling, though generally if I'm doing pie filling, I don't freeze the berries. I'll just go ahead and right at that time make the pie filling. Because when you freeze them and then you thaw them, they are going to release their juices and they're going to be a little bit mushy. You've all probably had thawed out berries. They're a little bit more mushy. So for pie filling... I take back what I first said. Generally speaking, I don't freeze berries if I know I'm going to be making them for pie filling. I'll just use them in their frozen form and make my pies that way. But for everything else, you actually are going to get more juice out of them. It's going to be easier to make your jelly and your syrups that way if you freeze them and then you thaw them. Also true for dehydrating because I am not going to sit and poke every single piece of fruit to check it in order to dehydrate it. So I like to throw mine in the freezer and then just pull them out and then put them in the dehydrator trays. So that is one of my big time-saving tips. Plus, then in the fall and winter, I can make my jam and jelly, and it doesn't matter if I'm heating up the house, right? You can also do outdoor canning kitchens, which we can talk about later. And I teach all of this within the Pioneering Today Academy and have full lessons on it. But that is one of my biggest time-saving tips. Another one, tomatoes, y'all. You can freeze. This is one of my favorite tips. Freeze your tomatoes, especially if you're going to be making them into sauce or you're going to be canning them. And this really helps at the beginning and the end of the tomato season when you don't necessarily have enough ripe ones to really do a full batch of sauce or to really bother with canning yet. Throw them in the freezer. Here's the beauty. You can wait until it's cooler, right? And you have other stuff that has already been canned and taken care of you don't need to get to. Pull them out then. But here's one of the big time-saving tips. As they start to thaw, the skins just slip off. They just magically like slip off. So there's no need for you to put them in the boiling water in order to blanch them. I know, right? So I kind of usually just freeze all of my tomatoes because it's just so much easier to process them. And it's a big time-saving tip. Okay, tip number five. Make sure all your supplies are in stock. When it is time to preserve, you don't want to prep everything and be totally ready to go only to realize that you are out of wide mouth canning jar lids. You don't have enough salt to make the brine for fermenting, but you've already prepped everything. Or you ran out of canning salt. You're going to make pickles that's all ready to go and you do not have another jar of vinegar like you thought in order to make the brine. And yes, all of the above has happened to me one time or another. So make sure all your supplies are in stock. Go through your supplies, stock up for the season. I keep a minimum of 50, usually about, actually it's a little bit more than 50 because I think there's 12 lids. Anyways, I keep a minimum of five boxes of wide mouth lids and five boxes of regular size canning lids in stock at all time. So pretty much every time I go to the store, I just will buy a couple of boxes and especially during canning season, usually you can get them on a pretty good sale and stock them up. So I'm constantly replacing them so that I've always got lids in stock. That doesn't count my reusable Tatler lids either. 
I always have a full box or bag of canning salt in reserve, and I now stock a 10-pound bucket of Redmond's Real Salt that I use for cooking and making my brine when we are fermenting our foods. Tip number six, put your plan down on paper. So I have created a chart that you can use to plug in the crops that you're harvesting, the methods of preservation that you're going to be using for each of those crops, and how much of each method you need for the year for each food. This really helps you know which crops need to be done first and which ones you can plop in the freezer to be dealt with later. It's also a great way to keep inventory to know if you need to either purchase more of that, maybe you didn't grow enough to give you enough to go through all the year, but it's in local, it's in season, and you can get some from a farmer, a farmer's market, or a CSA, something like that. So then you can purchase extra and preserve it up to take you through the whole year. And then you know for the following year, you need to increase your crops. Now, tip number seven, be strategic with your harvest in your time. Here's what I mean with this. If you know that making pickles is one of your top priority foods, then when the cucumbers are on, you know picking them in the cool of the morning is important for crisp pickles. And if you didn't know that, you just learned something new. Good tip, right? Kind of the same thing when you're harvesting most of your herbs. You want to harvest them in the morning when there's the highest concentration of the oils, which means flavor and also herbal medicinal properties in the leaves, rather than waiting till you harvest later in the day when it kind of goes back into the stem and the root system. But when you harvest in the morning when things are still cool, one, you don't get as hot, right? But it's more important, the freshness of the vegetables. So your lettuce is going to be more crisp, your asparagus, your green beans, your pickles, excuse me, your cucumbers that are going to be for pickles, all of that. So you may not have time to make the pickles that morning. I know, day job, homeschooling, life tasks, appointments, errands, all that fun stuff. But if you pick in the morning and prep the cucumbers. So if you're making sliced pickles, spears, that type of thing, you're going to put them in cold ice water bath with salt. Then in the evening, when you get home, you can simply drain, rinse, and process those pickles. So you've already got the big part of the work done. So we're going to do it in batches. But knowing that is really helpful when you have this all planned out. Now, you can also pick in the morning and put everything in the fridge to stay cool until you can process it later that day, or sometimes it's going to be the next day or even the day after that, rather than leaving it on the vine, especially if the item is close to becoming overripe. This also helps you do things in small batches when you're short on time, because a lot of the time... I did not have enough time when I got home from work or even in the morning to go out, pick all of the harvest, bring it in, get it rinsed and prepped, and then do the whole you know, canning recipe or dehydrating, prepping the food for whatever method it is that I was going to be using. But I did have enough time, either in the morning or in the evening, to go and pick that food and then just put it in the fridge. And then the next day, I would have enough time in that morning because I had already picked it and sometimes prep it the night before to process it. So oftentimes, I kind of take that approach with weeding too. I might not have an entire hour or two that would take to do it all, but if I just take 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and do that each day, I can stay on top of things. So I use that with our preserving too. Okay, this is tip number eight, and that is have your recipes ready. 
So have your preserving recipes ready to go when the time comes so you can easily access it. So if you've got your favorite canning books, which I've got mine, or if you're a member of the Pioneering Today Academy, or you have purchased our Home Canning with Confidence course, then you know that you can log in and right there for you are all of the recipes ready to go for all of the foods. And we also in the Pioneer Shea Academy have fermenting and dehydrating as well. So you can get those time charts and it's just already very convenient for you to go. You can have them in a folder on your computer, download them, print them out. I know a lot of us like to have paper. You've got your canning book, especially if you're doing your pressure canner to make sure you've got the correct time and pounds of pressure, especially for your altitude. All of that stuff, if you're doing your fermentation that you've got quickly written down, the brine ratio that you're using, just if you have all of that done ahead of time and gathered, it's going to make it so much faster when you actually go to do it. And that's why I say have it all ready. That includes going through your supplies, making sure that it's all stocked. And the other tip that I'm going to give you, especially because sometimes, you know, we make a recipe every single year, like every single year, I'm going to make my low sugar apple pie jam when the apples are on. Every year I do my low sugar, no store-bought pectin strawberry jam. So I've got certain recipes and of course my tomato sauce that I do every single year, but I've got a lot of different pickling recipes and some of them I do need to soak in an ice water salt bath and others I don't. I just rinse off and we go and pickle. So it's important though that I have those recipes and noted. And when you're doing the recipe again, especially if it's been a year since you've made it, read through the recipe in its entirety so that you don't accidentally miss a step because sometimes we'll just get going on something and then we're like, oh, I forgot to do that part. I forgot I needed to do that part. So just read through it all the way. It can even be the night or the day before so that you are mentally prepped and you've got all the steps that you need when it comes time to preserve that food. Now, to help you with this, as I said, you are going to want to get yourself on over to this episode to make sure that you get the freebie, which is the chart that you can download and you can plug in all of your crops, the methods you're going to be using to preserve them. You can even make a note of certain recipes. Maybe it's a page in the book or the recipe that you want to try. And then how much of each of those methods you need to take you all the way through. So you're going to customize your preserving plan for your house. And I got a chart that's gonna just help you keep track of it and create your plan totally for free. You can grab that at this episode, which is melissaknorris.com slash 147. You can also go and sign up and do that free online home canning safety masterclass within the same episode. And I've had a lot of you ask me about the Pioneering Today Academy when we are opening again for enrollment because it's closed right now. And let me just say that if you are on my email list and you downloaded the free chart that goes with today's episode, we are gonna be opening up very shortly, but we're only gonna be opening for enrollment for two days only. And if you don't wanna miss those two days or you just wanna know more information about it, you gotta be on my email list and you're gonna get that information via your email. So make sure that you're on it. And I wanna thank you guys so much for joining me on today's episode. I just love getting to chat with you and I'm really excited about next week's episode. We're gonna be diving into different methods of preserving your food a lot deeper than we did today. Yay, one of my favorite topics. And so that you don't miss any episodes However, you're listening to the podcast, maybe it's on Stitcher, maybe it's on Google Play, 
iTunes, Apple, whatever app you're listening to this on, make sure that you're subscribed. So just go ahead and click that little subscribe button. And then whenever a new episode comes out, it will be ready and waiting for you. You won't have to go anywhere, check the website, though I do love it when you get my emails because I send out a lot more than just new podcast episodes, but then you are set and ready to go. So thank you guys so much. Happy preserving planning, and we will be back here with you on next week's episode. Bye for now.